Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We're going to look at Mark chapter 4 verse 1. If you haven't got your Bibles with you, it should be on the screen here. I'm reading from the NIV version. Father, we just pray today that as your word comes, Lord, may it come in power, may it speak into our lives, transform us, change us, and release us for every good thing that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 4 and verse 1, it says this, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in, in out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed uh, sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And then verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some a hundred times what was sown. I want to speak to you today. The title of this message is called Kingdom Planters. Kingdom Planters. 
I want to talk to you today about what Jesus is talking about in this particular parable. It's an interesting parable because it's talking about the parable of the sower. Many people know this as the parable of the soils, the the bad soils we've just heard, the good soils. So it's not necessarily known so much as the parable of the sower, but more the parable of the soils. How well, we say many times, how well is this, the word of God, going to be received today? We pray good soil of our hearts. And Jesus here is talking this whole parable, which actually has to explain to his disciples is actually about one core thing. And actually the Spirit of God has already spoken to us this morning before I even preached. How many of you know that the Spirit of God is a lot better than preaching than I am? Because he's, he's a bit more advanced. He gets in before me on the worship. See, when Ida brought the message this morning, she brought Revelation in 3, which I believe is talking about the church in Laodicea where they need to buy from him. It says that who, who will hear my voice? I'm knocking at the door of your life. The Spirit of God, before I even preach today, has already said today, He's declared the preface to this message. He said, I'm knocking on the doors of your heart. Who will hear my voice? Who will hear what I have to say? You see, it's about listening. In verse 9 of Matthew 4, Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. He's not talking about physical ears. He's saying, right now, I know you've got physical ears, but there is a frequency. There is a frequency from heaven today that is speaking into your heart, if you will receive it, that will challenge you to become the person God has called you to be. You know, I, I, I don't know about you. We said it last week. I want to be receiving the frequency from heaven. There's a lot of frequencies you can tune into, but I want to receive for what God is saying today, His voice. Who, ha- who has ears to hear, let them hear. You see, the problem is with this parable that I find difficult is it's not very good for preachers because only one in four are going to hear this, this, this message, it says. One in four, 25% of the hearers going to hear this because it says that some people are going to receive it, but then it's not going to last for long. It's not going to work well. It's not going to produce what God intended it to produce. So for the preacher, this parable is not fantastic. You know, I'm choosing a lot of difficult scriptures lately to preach from because this is not good for me because it's saying you preach and only, you know, only a few people, 25% are going to grab this one because some people, their hearts are not going to receive how many of you know we've got to challenge the heart to hear? Years ago, I used to work in, in design and production, and, I, and I, one of my jobs every year, I had to design an inv- invitation to uh, a particular event that we ran. It was called Innovation Day. It was this huge event that they spent thousands and thousands of pounds in this technology consulting company to show to the world the kind of technologies that they did, the, the things that they designed. And my job, they would pull me into a meeting at one scene and they'd say, we want you to design an invitation we're going to send out to around two and a half to 3,000 of our delegates, our clients around the world. We want you to design an invitation that will grab their attention because we, we need to fill this place. We want to show them what we can do because we need business. 
So every year I'd sit there and the challenge was come up with a new idea. The pressure was on. How do I create something new and fresh? Not just another little fly, but something with using materials. How can I attract someone in? And they'd spend a lot of money on these flyers to look really good. I'd do that every year. We'd send two and a half, three thousand, sometimes four thousand invites. And we'd only ever fill the place with hundred people. And they were seeing some top quality stuff. A lot of people were missing out on seeing some amazing things. They get free dinner. All of these things. The invitations would go out, but people wouldn't receive. How many of you know that many times you receive something, junk mail, it goes straight in the bin? If I, majority of the time when I go to my letterbox and I, I see things land on the floor, I'm pretty good at looking on the floor before I've even picked it up and know what I'm going to throw in the bin. Some of us are like that. We, we hear God's word, but we don't really apply it. And we can sometimes reject some things in our life. You see, the truth is this, that actually in your life, if you're a Christian today, in your life, you'll have heard the word of God. The word of God was sown into your life. Someone chose to speak to you. Or you were in a, in a church, you heard the message. Maybe you're saying, I've never heard it before. Well, now's your time today. Because Jesus is speaking today. So the, the, the word is being sown today. But at some point in your life, you received the word of God. How many of you know it's amazing? The word of God is transforming. I mean, I love miracles. I love healing. But one thing I love is when the word of God transforms a person on the inside. It's amazing. So you receive this. And this is what Jesus says about receiving that word. Mark 4.11, he says this. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. You've been given this secret. The New King James Version says this. To you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The mystery. In other words, I believe that there is more to learn in our journey as we go on. It's not that you receive it at salvation and that's it, that's the end. There is a mystery that has been given to you. God has given you the gift of the kingdom of God. He said, I've sown this seed into your heart. It has been given to you. The mystery. Oh, we, we hold this mystery. God wants to do something with it. We've been given an invitation to know. Deuteronomy 29, 29. God speaking through Moses. He says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. In other words, What's been revealed? How many of you know when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. We don't know everything. But what God has revealed, what he releases to you in that moment of you saying, I want you, Jesus, in my life. There is a seed sown into your heart. It lands here. The question is, what's going to happen next? Because you might be saying, oh, I've been a Christian for a long time and, you know, I've not really seen much in my life. I see Brother Dingling, they're doing so much for God, and they're doing this, they're doing that. But there's nothing happening for me. And God would say to you today, you have been given a seed that's been sown into your heart. You have a job to do. What are you going to do with it? I want to bring three things today. Why three? Because I like three. Three things, because we've only got time for three. 
three things today that I believe that we need to do with this seed that has been sown into our hearts. It's so important, this. Number one is this. You've got to protect the seed. You have to protect what God has planted into your heart. There is going to be attacks of the enemy that come against you to rob this seed, to take away the very thing that God has deposited in your life. You see, a seed, a natural seed, I'm not a gardener, but I know a little bit about seeds. And a seed inside a seed, if you were to to, to look at the inside of a seed... It, it, it has inside it the food preserves to begin its growth at the beginning. If you put it into the soil, inside this tiny little seed, there is an embryo and then there's this food pack. There's this almost this first little stage to allow the seed to grow once water comes through. You see, a seed needs water, oxygen and warmth. It needs the atmospheric conditions to make it grow. How many of you know that if your life is not in good atmospheric conditions, you ain't going to grow very well? You're not going to grow to the, to the potential that God has for your life. You get the atmospheric conditions wrong and it's not good growth. You see, what happens is this little seed inside, it has this food preserve ready. So that already it has the ability to begin a little bit of growth. When the water comes through, it gets and absorbs into the seed. The seed then expands out of its shell. And then it begins to produce and the embryo begins to start its journey of growth. Already in that seed is the ability to start off the growth. Jesus gave you the seed of the kingdom. And he gave you, in his grace, the ability for it to have a little bit of growth to start off. However, he still says, I require you to do something with it. We need to protect our seed. What do I mean by atmospheric conditions? Well, Jesus describes, when I talked about four in one, he describes three soils, three environments atmospheric conditions that are not good. He gives one that's good, then he gives three, and we're going to just quickly look at those, how we need to protect this seed that's been sown into our lives. Number one of these, these atmospheric conditions is that Jesus says that there's a seed that lands on the path, the road. Mark four fifteen, he says, some people are like the seed along the path, Where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. In other words, he says, it's hard ground. It is like concrete. It's a path. It lands on a hard heart. It bounces and it doesn't even get into any moisture, any soil. There it sits on the side of this path. And all the time it's sat there, this beautiful seed that's been given to you, that has the ability to grow into something amazing, to transform your life into what God has intended you to be. All the time it's sat there on this path. There it is waiting ready for something to snatch it. How many times have you drove down the motorway, you see crows at the side of the road. They get the food because it's there resting on the side. It's not absorbed. They'll pick up things from the side of the road. That seed in some of your lives can be like landing on hardened ground. Why? Because our hearts become hardened. 
Our hearts are not there to receive what God has for us. We block off. We say, oh, I'm going to be a critical person. I'm going to analyze everything. And our hearts become hard. And we can't receive what God has. Do you know, sometimes I've noticed in my life, I can be a little bit critical and analytical. But sometimes you've just got to say, do you know what? I'm going to rest in God and allow Allow his kingdom to rest in me. Let it grow. Some of us today need to stop being so hardened hearted. And to receive. Do you know why? Because it says Satan will come and snatch. He sees it. He thinks they're not allowing it to get in because they're hardened in their heart. Perfect. I can grab the seed. We can have a skeptical spirit. I call it selective Christianity. <laughs> Boy, I meet some people. They select what they like. Isn't that what's in, in one of the Ten Commandments, the Second Commandment? Don't make a God in your own image. Boy, you, you meet them all the time. Christians, they've got a great God. They've designed him. They've designed their own God. They said, I want this bit. I want that bit. And I'm having this bit. And I'm taking, oh, yes, I hear you, God. I'll have this bit. And you build your own God. Oh, he looks like Jesus. Oh, he looks like everything that you thought Jesus looked like. But actually what you've done is you've took pieces of what you want and you build your own Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to take me for everything I am. Everything. Everything that I say I am, you must receive. Not the little bits that you want. Sometimes we can be selective. Oh, I'm not sure about the world's changing. I'm going to change my view on what the Bible's saying about certain things because I don't like that now and actually it doesn't fit into my friends and and I don't, it doesn't fit into the views of this world. You know, we're in a new generation. We're in a modern society. You see all over the news today, people, their views on marriage and the institution of marriage and people in relationships and what they're viewing. Listen to me. Whatever they view, they think that they're in a new modern world. All of the things that they're describing, that they're trying to say that Christians are not in with the times. Listen to me. It's all through the Bible. It's been the same since the beginning. It's just repackaged in a new modern packaging. And people think and can start to think that it's, it's something new. Oh, we need to change the word of God to apply to us. We need to select what we like. Listen, the word of God never changes. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't say that Jesus has changed his mind. If Jesus says he doesn't like some things in the Bible, if God says, this is my character, my heart. Listen, when Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same. The only person that's changing is you. We can't be selective Christians. I love the word of God. Do you know why? Because the word of God challenges me. It challenges what I think. Come on. You can't get into comfortable Christianity where you say, I'm going to make my God into something that I want. Let it challenge you can only challenge you when you say, I don't want my heart to be like a hardened path. I want to receive so it changes who I am. We need to protect it because it can land on hardened hearts. Soften your heart today. The other soil or the other atmospheric conditions is, Mark 4.16, it says, seed falls on 
rocky soil. Now we're getting into a, imagine now we've got a little bit better. So the, the ground is a little bit more broken up. How many of you have been in the garden sometimes and you're trying to dig through and you've got tough, hard soil? There is tough, rocky soil. There's bits of loose rock. So you've got the, you've got the nice soil, but amongst it is some rocks. Now you've got something that's possible for something to absorb and to start some growth. And Jesus says this, Mark 4, 16, he said, other seed, other seed is on rocky places. Hear, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. He says this, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. In other words, now this seed has got some good bit of moisture around it, but yet there's not enough room for the roots to grow. Why? Because there's a rocky soil. There's, a, there's not enough ability and space for it to fully grow in the roots. When trouble comes, they're gone. I, how many of you meet these people? You meet Christians that as soon as something goes wrong, that's it. They've given up on Jesus. You know, I've got some news for you. I've been in church literally since I was born into the world. My mum and dad took me to church. I've seen my mum and dad go through problems. I've had problems, by the way. Welcome to life. If you think that I haven't got any problems and I've got the answers, no, I've got problems too. But listen to me. I don't give up on Jesus when there's problems. The problems make me focus on him. In fact, sometimes I need some problems in my life. Say, I need a problem. You're scared to say that one, aren't you? Say, Lord, increase my suffering. There's joy in suffering, it says. Some of us need some suffering. Do you know why? Because sometimes we get so hard and hearted, we need. God needs to crush us and change us so we draw to him. So that you get back in the private place that you've probably not been in for a year. You get back in that place where you get on your knees again and you spend some time and it's not just two minutes before you go to work. God says, do you know what? I, I, I'm going I'm to change this dynamic because this seed is hitting hard ground now. I'm going to allow, just like he did with Job, be allowed things to come in. But what it does is it changes you. In fact, it makes you a better you. Don't, don't look for Christianity in some churches where they're, all they're saying is all you're going to have is a great life. I, I want to tell you this. If you receive Jesus today, you're going to have some major challenges. But it's better with Jesus. Take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. There's problems. When trouble comes, persecution comes, people say things to you at work and you think, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do this because it's too hard. People are taking the mick out of me. They're making fun of me. I can't handle this. We don't even know sometimes what persecution really is. You see, when there's no moisture in the ground and the rocks are there, there's no root can take place. Illness comes, family trouble. We've had it. We've had difficulties ourselves. You think, God, where are you? What is going on? I don't understand it. I mean, sometimes, I sometimes want to just have a meeting with God and say, God, I, I want to talk through a few things. I've got three points. You know, there is one thing. I'm just not sure why this is happening to me. 
Why is it that this person is really ill? Why is it that I have been praying for the sick, but yet I've got pain in my body? Why is it that this illness has come in? I've, I've got a, a, someone who's got cancer. Why is it today that JL is in hospital and not here? Oh, should we all just pack up and go home? No, we need to focus again on him and say, God, even in these difficult challenges, even in things we just cannot understand, I look to you. Do you know what? Jesus is all about, I believe he's building this huge mosaic, this huge picture. We're going to see it at the end of the age when we understand everything. We'll understand everything. We won't be prophesying in part and seeing through a glass darkling. We will see it as he is. So we'll see this thing he's building. We'll see what he is aiming to build. But for now, we only see a little bit. So do you know what I see myself as? I see myself as a little part of that mosaic. And if that part of that mosaic sometimes is suffering... I don't look at myself as this, well, the whole thing's crumbling. No, I say God is allowing this because he's building the big picture. Remember, he's got the big picture in his hands. We sang that song as a young kid. He's got the whole world in his hands. Everything. The whole mosaic. How do we need to allow God to grow our roots and not be on rocky soil? Do you know what we need to do? We need regular communion with him. To allow the, the roots to grow. And also not regular communion, but regular communion in the church family. Come on, I, I meet ministers a lot and they, they tell me statistics about how many people attend church put in a month. It's, it's crazy. It's very different to many years ago. People are busy in their lives and the amount of times that they'll give in a month to attend church. It's very different. People generally once to twice in a month. Do you know what? It's not about attendance. It's not about tagging your, clocking in when you come in. In fact, we could have a clocking machine, couldn't we? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Monday morning, review the clocking in machine. It's not about that. Church, by the way, you sitting in the seats is not about me. You coming here and listening to the Word of God, it's not about my success. It's about your success. You see, However much you neglect God and his communion with his family and listening to the word of God and letting him grow in your lives, all you're doing is neglecting your own success. Because God says, I want you to get around people, other believers. Don't give up meeting together. Because they're going to strengthen you. It's going to allow, instead of it being rocky soil and other things in the way, trouble and persecution, you're going to get around people. And you're going to build yourself. Listen to me, don't give into the modern statistics. Oh, life's busy, so I've got to do, I've got, to, I've got lots of things on now. You don't understand my, you don't understand my life. Yes, I do. In fact, life is getting too busy. It's too busy, and now we're not spending enough time with Jesus Christ. He is the source. We sing all these songs, but do we live them out? He's, he's the center of everything. The next soil is the thorny soil. Now we get into some thorny soil. Oh, no, we've not got the rocks so much. Now we've got some thorns. It actually looks like in this soil, like there's a bit of growth going on. There's some growth going on. In fact, these thorns, I used to live in a house in the garden. They had thistles, these massive thorns on them. We never did anything with them, but it looked great. It was growing well. 
It was just a field of thorns. You couldn't go in the garden. These thistles, just a huge area of thistles, and I never used to clear it. I just used to look at it every day thinking, wow, they're growing high. Don't be fooled by land in your lives, atmospheric conditions that have growth in, like these thorny growth, that actually says will choke you. It says, still others, in verse 18, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. And what? Making it unfruitful. In other words, there are things, you've got to watch out for these. There's thorny thistles in a lot of our lives. It's growth that's around us, distractions, deceitfulness of wealth. Oh, but you, you know, I can't, you don't understand, my business is doing really well. You know, if you understand, if I have more money coming in, then I'll be able to give more to the church. I'll be able to give more into the kingdom. I, 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 you don't understand. The, I've got these things going on that this is happening in my life and this is just really good. If only you understood. Listen, this is the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the deceitfulness of things that look like they're growing, but actually they're thorns and they're choking the life. They choke the life out of what God says. God says to you today, don't worry about the things of tomorrow. He says, don't worry about the wealth. Don't worry about the stuff. Don't worry about the materials. Just look to me. Come on. Look to me. I am the source of everything. Some of us are saying, no, but you don't understand, Jesus. I I, I want a conversation with you. you. Look at this. Look at this, God. It's growing high. You know, I've got these things going on. And, and, and I'm trying to reach these friends. I'm spending a lot of time with these friends. And they're not Christians. But, I, you know, I've been going out and I've been, I've been kind of having a drink with them and doing the thing. Because I know that one day they're going to come to the Lord. But actually, you've never witnessed to them once. I'm just, um, I, Jesus hung around with the prostitutes. So, you know, I, I'm going to go down to the nightclub of every once in a while. Just to, one day I'm going to sow the seed. Jesus is saying, look, be careful who you hang around with. There's nothing, there's, listen to me, there's nothing wrong with you walking into a nightclub. When I was in Malta last year, we went into a nightclub, we saw someone get healed. But I purposely don't hang around in these places. Why? Because these places would choke your life. They'll choke your life. It's the truth. The enemy knows it. And sometimes you can think, I've got everything juggling. Oh, I've got this, I've got all these friends. I'm going to compartmentalize my life. I'm going to have my Jesus friends over here. And I'm going to have my people over here. And one day my, my people over here are going to get infected by my Jesus friends. But there's time for that. I'm going to, I'm going to do a bit of everything. And what's happening is all you're doing is you've got atmospheric conditions that are like thorny soil. You've got soil, there is a bit of growth. But there's not enough room. In fact, do you know what you need to do? You need to create some space. You need to get out the the cutter and remove these thorns so that there's some space for Jesus. He says, I want to grow some stuff in this land. But it's full of thorns and thistles. Come on. 
Some of you need to go home today and say, you know what? I'm going to get out the cutters and remove some of these thorns so that now my soil becomes good soil. We need to remove these distractions. What do we need to do? Number one is, I'm only on point one, protect our seed. Why? Because the kingdom of God has been planted in you. It's been planted into your heart. And you, by the way, have a responsibility. It's not Jesus who does this. Jesus does not plant the kingdom of God inside of you and say, hey, watch this grow. Just do what you like. Live how you like. Live this hyper-grace life. And by the way, I don't believe in hyper-grace. I believe in holiness as well. I believe that we live holy because he's holy. He says, don't just live your life and watch the seed grow. And it'll be so amazing and a miracle. You'll see it grow even when you're a sinner and you're doing everything wrong and you're not caring about me. You'll watch it grow. No, he says this, watch where this seed is landing. Watch where it's landing and make sure you do something about it. Because it's our responsibility for that seed to grow from that first. I love it that, that this whole principle that, that Jesus sows a seed and that inside that seed there's this little bit of growth to get it going at first. His grace, His mercy. In people like us who are sinners, failed. He says, I'm going I'm I'm to help you. Because in your, in your life, in your atmospheric conditions, you've not got a chance you're sinners. But my grace says I'll put a little bit of growth in. But you need to play your part to let it grow. Number two today is this. We not only need to protect it from that early initial growth, but to cultivate our seed. To actually cultivate as it grows and to see what God is going to do. You see, Jesus talked of a good soil, not just all bad things. He then always, as he does, gives us a pointer. He says, here, this is the good soil you want. This is one that's going to stimulate growth. Mark 4.20. He says, Jesus said, some people are like seed sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Now, that is so important. You could glance over that and think, oh, this sounds good. Jesus says, you know, the actual test for you being the person that I've called you to be is, are you producing any crop? Are you producing fruit? Are you doing anything in your life to to let people see the kingdom of God? Because that is the litmus test. It's the test on your soil. It says, check your soil and then check your fruit. What's coming from it? He said, some will get 30, some 60, some 100 times. What? was sown. Luke eight fifteen, same story, same parable. It puts it slightly differently. It says, verse 15, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble hand and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. You see, some of us need to start showing our fruit. You see, do you know what I do a lot of times in my life? I, I, I do check myself. I examine myself and say, do you know what? Am I really producing fruit? I need to check. Am I producing what he says he, I should be producing? I need to check my soil. Go back. Check the soil to see whether there's any problems. We need to check our soil. In Matthew chapter 25, it talks about a story, another parable of the talents. What are you going to do with the talents? Three people get three bags of gold. One person gets five, one person gets three, and another person gets one. 
And it describes as this man comes back and this owner, and he comes back to see if they've invested these bags of gold. It says the man who has five, he reproduces another five. The one with three, he reproduces another three. The one with one, he buries it and hides it. We've got to do something. Jesus is looking to us to produce a crop. Sometimes God's word, though, will not be popular. Sometimes we don't want to receive this. We don't want to say, oh, I don't, I don't want to be that. I don't want to, I'm not a person who shares the word of God. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a person who, you know, I'll use words if I have to, but actually just people see my actions, they'll just see Jesus. Come on. There's a place for actions, there's a place for community work. All these things are good, but actually the truth is this, Jesus sent us into the world to preach the gospel, to share the good news, the kingdom. I don't know about you, but we, at Christmas, we have a big bowl of quality streets or whatever chocolates we get, and have you ever noticed you've always got left over the coconuts and the coffees? In January, we have a whole, whole bucket full of coconut and coffee. People don't want them, unless you do. If you do want them, we'll give them you. We'll sell them to you. We'll sell them to you. Anyone want, you come and see me after. If you like coconuts and coffees, we'll give them to you at January next year. We've got loads of them. No one eats them. In January, we, we sit them in the middle of the table and no one eats them. Even the kids won't eat them, and that's, that shows a lot. You see, the truth is this, that actually you're saying right now, but you know, evangelism, sharing Jesus, none of this, I'm not really sure, producing a crop, yeah, I've done this. Listen, don't select Christianity. Don't say I'm not having that, and I'm going to leave these bits out. I'm going to leave the coffees and the coconuts there for someone else to take. I'm going to leave, because there's certain people like that kind of thing. (laughs) Listen, Jesus says, I want you to do everything for me. Luke 9 verse 2, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He's called us to go. See, some of us, we say, ah, but I, I'm going I'm to make this God. I'm going I'm to choose the bits in the quality street tin. I'm going to create my own little God. Second Timothy 4 3 says, for time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Good soil means accepting and obeying everything that Jesus said. Good soil is when you say, I'm going to hear what he says and not the best modern preachers who are preaching just to make my itching ears feel good. I don't want to hear preaching that does that. I don't want to hear people preach to me and tell me about life coaching and tell me about nothing about doing anything with the kingdom. That's, that's scratching your, your ears. Jesus says, I want you to hear what I have to say. It gets deep into your heart. God's words designed to both please us, I put, and perfect us. It's there to please us and perfect us. There are things in the Word of God that will please you, that we love to read, and they do really make us feel good, but there are things that try to perfect us as well. 
2 Timothy 3 verse 5 says, All Scripture is inspired by God in the New Living Translation. In the NIV it says it's God-breathed. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Paul says it corrects us when we're wrong. Do you know sometimes we can be wrong about stuff? That's why. It's not about hypergrace. It's about saying, do you know, I'm going to let the Word of God challenge me to change me into the person that Jesus has called me to be. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about, doesn't he, remaining in Him. He talks about remaining in Him. But I don't know if you've ever seen this, but He says, remain in me. Then He says in verse 7, and my words remain in you. He didn't just say, hey, remain in me. Hang around in my presence, guys. He says, let my words remain in you. In other words, don't remove my words and just have my presence. Because my words are the things that will change you, reveal truth, reveal what's wrong in your life. And it will perfect you to be the person that I've called you to be. We need to cultivate that seed. And then it will bring real fruit. Amen? And finally, number three is this, that I believe this, that if it brings fruit, if we allow this word to come into and cultivate into good soil in our hearts, you are going to see fruit. How many of you want to see fruit? Come on. We all want to see fruit in our lives, don't we? By the way, this is not about just being an evangelist, preaching on the streets, Going to, going to London next week and saying, okay, well, Pastor Phil's told me I've got to go and stand on a box and start preaching in Cambridge. Listen, I ain't saying anything like that. You can declare the word in many ways. Some of us, actually, the hardest job for you is preaching to your family. The hardest job for you is sharing with that unsaved member of your family. The reason is because you've got to see him again next week. You can go to London. In fact, it's so much easier speaking in London because if you stand on a box in London and you preach, you don't have to see anyone the week after. You'll see someone else different. But some of us need to start to gear up, start to move up a gear and say, do you know what? I'm going to actually now start to say I want to produce some crop. I mean, you could ask yourself the question sometimes, how long have you been a Christian and how many people have you seen got saved through you? It's a big question. You know, even in my life, I don't think I've seen enough people come to Jesus that I want to. I believe we should be producing this crop. So number three is that we should sow our seed. You see, Jesus says you can receive it. This parable is not just about receiving the seed and how the, the seed lands on your soil of your heart. But I believe this parable then reverses and goes on the other side and it says actually it's about being a farmer. You see, Jesus says, in other words, look, I'm the farmer. I've come to this earth I've come, I'm going to do something amazing and plant some seeds and it's going to land on good soil, bad soil or, or rocky soil. But actually, I'm setting a principle. You need to be farmers. You've got to be the ones who, when you receive the seed, you then farm the seed. You then get the seed and you do something with it. John Maxwell says this, success is knowing your purpose in life Growing to reach your maximum potential and sowing seeds that benefit others. It's all about benefiting other people. (laughs) 
So many people think Christianity is about you. It's about, I've received it, now I'm going to give it. Freely you've received, freely give. I'm going to do something with this. You see, what I find interesting is this, and a lot of people, you've, by the way, when you read your Bibles, just sometimes observe these things. We've read Mark 4, 1 to 20, but in verse 21, things change. And actually, it changes not because there's a subheading in between what the people put in when they translate the Bible, but it actually flows straight into 21. And Jesus says this. He says, verse 21, straight after we read about the good soil, he says, Jesus said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to reiterate, I'm going to step it up again now. I'm going to tell you another quick parable to remind you that if you want to see fruit, you can't hide this mystery of the kingdom. You can't conceal it. You can't hide a light in a room. You must let the light fill the place wherever you go. It changes. Now Jesus is talking about evangelism. He's saying, look, I'm going from another gear now. I'm telling you, you've received this to produce crop. You're going to have to become farmers. I want to be a farmer. I want to be a trained farmer. I don't want to be someone who just holds on to some tiny little seed. I want to be this trained farmer. The parable's not just about the soil. It's about being a farmer of God's Word. Why Mark 4 verse 3, when he describes the farmer, he says this, listen, open your ears. Listen, that's what he says. And remember Jesus stood on this boat because there's that many crowds around. He says he had to get in the boat in Mark 4 verse 1. He says he stood in a boat and had to put the boat out from the shore because there were that many people. There must have been a lot of people. And he had to make a barrier, a gap between him because they were all crowding him around him. So he stood back and he's now in this boat and he's looking out onto the shore and seeing, I don't know how many hundreds, thousands of people listening to what he has to say. And he tells them this parable. You see, Jesus is effectively saying, look, it's not all about the crowds and people following. You've got to do something. Don't just keep following me and hanging around with me. You've got to take this principle and you've got to do something with it. It's not about hanging around after me. It's about taking me to people. We've got to be a good farmer. Mark 4 verse 3 says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, he didn't stay indoors trying to throw the seed on the floor in the church. Oh, we take the seed of the kingdom and we, we throw it in our prayer meetings. We throw it against the walls. Lord, may they come in from the north, the east, the south, and the west. No, he says, listen, the farmer went out. He didn't have his holy huddles throwing seed around the room. He said, the farmer went out to sow his seed. Guys, four years ago, we went out to the streets of this city And we've been seeing the fruit as we've took the kingdom and gone out of the door to sow this seed. If we want to be like Jesus, and I hear lots of Christians say this, I want to learn how to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. 
I want to have the character of Jesus. Oh, if my life, it says the Bible says the more I spend time with him, I'm going to be like Jesus, that pure, perfect one. If you want to be like Jesus, you've got to do what Jesus did. No, you can't just be like Jesus and say, I'm going to be like Jesus and his character and, and this peace. And he was a loving person. He loved everyone. He loved the sinner. Yes, we need to be all these things. The book of Acts, the very beginning in Acts chapter 1, he says that Jesus, it was the, the writer says that he wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, he taught and he did stuff. He went around doing good, healing the sick. If you want to be like Jesus, then you've got to do what he did. See, I love the fact that Paul, he has this Damascus Road experience. He meets Jesus. Jesus changes him. Now he receives this seed. He's, he, he's knocked off his horse and he meets Jesus and Jesus is going to change everything. He's the, the seed is sown into Paul, into Saul that now becomes Paul. He's sown into him. And when it's sown into him, you could say, oh, I bet he thought, oh, this is a tranquil experience. I'm just going to hang around trying to find that experience again with Jesus that I found on Damascus Road. It's so amazing, guys. Let's have a meeting together and try and get the Damascus Road experience. But no, Paul writes this in Colossians 1, 25 to 26. He, had a re- he realized he has a duty to share. He says this, speaking to the church, his labor for the church, he says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. What? To present to you the word of God in its fullness. Verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. In other words, Paul says, I've been knocked off my horse, not to just try looking for the experience again, not to try and find another conference or a meeting that tries replicates that Damascus Road experience again. And I'm not going to try and get you to feel like that. All I've got to tell you is that there is a mystery that needs to be released. It's been given to me a My job now is to release it into the world. See, Jesus says, I've sown it in you. Now you've got to take it. I put here, the mystery of the kingdom can only be revealed through proactive faith, not passive faith. I'll read that again. The mystery of the kingdom can only be revealed through proactive faith, not passive faith. You've got to be active in your faith for the kingdom to be revealed. You've got to be active. I brought this along with me today to show you. This is, this is a wedding gift. How many like wedding gifts? You get to the table in a wedding. and you, I've been to lots of weddings. In fact, no one's invited me to a wedding for a while. You get to that age where there's lots of weddings and then they stop. If anyone's got any weddings they want to invite us, I like weddings. Free three-course meal and... As long as I don't have to preach at him, I can just relax. And I went to a wedding to a gentleman I know of, a good friend of mine. It must be 12 years ago now. And I walked up to the, um, the plate and sat on the, on the plate was this. This little bag. Looks nice with a brown bow, green bag with a little tag on it. I'll read that to you in a minute. And I, and I got this 12 years ago. The thing is, you have to do something with it. This little thing says here, it says English Bluebell. By the way, I'm not a keen gardener. It's got the, uh, 
the interpretation of what that is in whatever flower language. <laughs> Someone help me. English bluebell. It says here, then it describes what an English bluebell is. An English bluebell means a symbol of constancy and everlasting love. Ah, the little bluebell. A symbol of constancy and everlasting love. Plant in the autumn, minimum five centimeters deep in moist but drained soil, light shade, flowers in spring. You can imagine what I thought when I sat down for my three-course meal. The last thing I was thinking, I wanted a little chocolate. I thought inside this, I actually thought there were chocolates until I read this. I thought, boy, oh boy, a present where you've got to do something. And I looked at this and Emma had one as well. And then I took it home and I found this in the garage just the other day. (laughs) It was on that shelf. You know the shelf you have that is the shelf where you're going to do things with it? One day I'm going to do something with that. I found it there on the shelf. I thought, wow, that looks nice. What is that? And then I read it and I realized it took me back 12 years to to the day when I was sat in that wedding. And I looked at it, and I felt the Lord speak to me. And in fact, I was right in the middle of this message. It's funny, isn't it, where the Lord takes you? It doesn't always take you to the top of the mountain. It takes you into the garage. And I went to the garage. This is what the Lord does, you know. Because he wants to tell you something today. You see, this thing. He says that this bluebell, it could be a bluebell, but it's not. In fact, actually, these little bulbs inside here that are to be planted... They're all rotten. Why? Because our garage roof leaks and water gets in. It gets warm in the summer. Then in the winter, there's water coming in. These things don't know what's hit them. They're trying to decide, where am I? What's happening? Have I been planted yet? There's some water today because the water's leaking through. They're feeling a little bit of moisture. Then they get dried up intensely because it's like a greenhouse in our garage. So now these little seeds are thinking, what's going on? We're inside this bag. The truth is, That these had to be planted to see the bluebell, to see the beauty of the bluebell. And I don't like flowers that much, but I'm sure bluebells are beautiful. And they are a symbol of constancy and everlasting love. (laughs) But the problem is, I cannot plant these now because they look like they're broken. They look disintegrated. They're 12 years old. They're still in the same nice bag. Listen to me today. Jesus... When he met with you and you received his seed of his kingdom. When you received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what it describes? That Jesus is the bridegroom. You are the bride. There is a wedding day coming. There's a day when we'll celebrate his return. He says, I'm coming back. The reward's in my hand. I'm coming back. Will I find the faith on earth that I'm looking for? And he says, I'm coming back. And on the day you received that kingdom, you received a gift from him. And listen to me, I want to ask you today. I want to cry out to you today. Because the day when he returns, the day when you hear the trumpet call, the day when you know when Jesus has come back, or the day when you die, you're going to stand before him. And when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, don't have one of these in your hand. Don't have a bag of rotten seeds saying, look, I do know you, Jesus. Look what I've got. Can you remember? I've got the kingdom seed. He's here. And he says, 
Look, what, why did you conceal it? Why did you hide it? Why did you do nothing with it? And your friend on the other side is there looking at their bluebells. It's true. They're saying, look at this. It's produced multitudes of bluebells. Why? Because the moment I received it, I understood the value. You see, the problem is, I wouldn't like, I'm glad that my friend who invited me to this wedding is not here today. <laughs> I'm glad he's not listening to the podcast, or he might be. But the truth is that he'd be a bit disappointed. Why? Because he wanted me to do this. I failed him. I asked Emma to do it, I think, but she didn't do it. No, I'm only joking. But I failed. Emma did hers, apparently. <laughs> I'll have to check those out later on. But listen to me, it's true. You've all been given a gift. You've all been given it. Jesus talks about it. He says, if you don't do anything with this, your hour could be up in moments, and you've got to stand before him. Do not stand before him trying to polish your bag, trying to make it look nice, because if you looked a little closer in this bag, it doesn't look nice. You can polish your bags all you like. You can polish your bags of talents all you like, but the truth is this. He knows everything that you've done. I want to call out to you today to reveal the kingdom. Someone once said this, I don't know who, but they said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Why am I saying this today? Because I really believe that some of us, and including me, we've really got to check our soil. We've got to check our lives. Because you've been given something so amazing. You've been given something so amazing. The pearl of great price. The Bible talks about someone who found the kingdom of God and it's like buying, he buys the whole field. He wants everything. He realizes it's value. And I'm telling you today, you've got the value of the kingdom of God. It's the most valuable thing you could ever imagine in your life. But you might be just letting it sit indoors because you never did anything with it. And I want to encourage you today, you can. Why am I saying this? We as a church, you may have heard of this already, but just in a few weeks' time, on the 20th of April, we've got our Cambridge mission with Jonathan Conrad, the 20th to the 23rd, from a Thursday night here, right through to Sunday, we're going to be doing our first ever proper Cambridge mission, where we take the gospel outside We don't just come in and have some nice meetings and do nothing else. We go out to produce some crop. And on the Thursday, we're going to be meeting. Here's the plan. The Thursday night, we're going to meet. That week of the Tuesday of that week, which will be the 18th, there'll be no Tuesday night meeting, but there will be an opportunity for you to get involved and post thousands of all our flies to invite people to all these meetings. Alpha leaflets. That's on the Tuesday. On the Thursday, the 20th of April, is a prayer night. We're going to shift our prayer intercession night with Jonathan Conrad and his team. They're all going to be coming on the Thursday night. By the way, this is not open to the select few. This is open to anyone who wants to come, who says, I believe that we need to pray, but also go. That's on the Thursday night, 7.39. Jonathan will be here with us, with his team. Friday, the 21st, we're going to hit the streets, a full day of evangelism, going out to the streets. This is open to, if you're a member of this church, it's not open to anyone. We want to make sure we know who's going. But if you're a member, you will have received an email already. 
I can tell you out of all of our membership up to now, there's about 10 people who are going to be evangelists out of the whole of the membership of the church. If there's a prayer for me at the moment, it's to pray for workers. I look at the harvest field and I say, God, just send in the workers, please. I know what you want us to do. Please send in the workers, Jesus. I'll create the space. I'll get rid of the thorns in my life. I'll create the space. Please send the workers. That's full day of evangelism. If you're a member, you can come out with us with Jonathan and his team. And by the way, do not by any means let the enemy right now snatch that seed. That seed is, is landing on you now. It's going to land either on hard, hard ground or good soil. And the truth is this. Satan right now is saying, don't, don't do this. You're no good for this. It's not for you, this kind of thing. Listen to me. You can go and evangelize. You can just go to the streets and hand leaflets. You don't have to say a thing. The enemy doesn't want you to do that. He says, I want you to just let this roll on by. Let this seed bounce on the concrete and never land. But listen to me today. Let it be absorbed. Let water get in today and say, do you know what? I'm going to do this. Because four years ago, I'd never been to the streets and never shared my faith with anyone outside. And I did. Now I absolutely love it. Full day of evangelism. Friday night, listen to me, 21st of April, this is so important, 21st of April, healing encounter, Jonathan says, I want to have a healing encounter meeting here, we have some worship, and he says, I want you to bring in the people, the invitation, go out, plant some seeds, bring in the lost, bring in the people who need to be healed, we're going to have a healing encounter night, I want you to invite anyone you know who's sick, listen, bring them in on the 21st of Friday night, the testimonies that flow from that night will then go back into the streets on the Saturday. It's so important. We need your help. I'm not just running around doing this just to do it on my own. I need the church. Saturday the 22nd, we're back out again on the streets, full day of evangelism. Again, come along, sign up. If you've received the email, respond this week. 7th of April is the deadline. We have to cut off because we need to plan all the groups. And then Saturday night, Africa night is part of the plan. Again, come along. Say, oh, Don't say, I'm just not going to get involved in these things. Come along, Africa night. And then Sunday, we have double services on that weekend on the 23rd. Both services, we're going to lend to, to Jonathan and his team to just have gospel outreach and healing meetings. It's going to be a powerful week. Listen to me. You may be saying, do you know why I've got lots of things on at the moment? I've got lots of things. I can't give my time to this. I want to ask you today, check the thistles and thorns. I want to ask you today, Check where this seed is really landing. Is it bouncing? Is it landing in rocky soil? Or is it doing something that's going to produce fruit? Because there's not many churches who create opportunities like this. I'm telling you. We're trying to do this, not for our benefit, but for you to become the people of God He's called you to be. And you can, but you have to step out in faith. And I want to encourage you. If you say, well, that's a busy week, that I don't like the look of that because I've got a busy week at work. Well, so have I. I'm busy all week. I'm busy planning it all. But do you know what? I'm doing it because you will not get many more opportunities this year. It's the one opportunity to go into Cambridge and do this that we're planning. Take this and say, Jesus, if there's anything I'm going to do, I'm going to do this for you. It's all there for you. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. 
God bless and goodbye.